Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Would you guys open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, please? We're going to start at verse 8 when we, when we do that in a few minutes. Um, how awesome it is that God continues just to take care of our family, providing us people like the Smiths just to step in and be doing the things that he wants us to be doing. So grateful. Uh, so we've been in this series called Sent, and it's uh, just exploring the truth that as followers of Jesus, we are all sent people. Every one of us, every one of us is a sent person. If we said yes to Jesus, we also said yes to this call that he has given us to go and make disciples. But though we're all sent, our assignments can be very, very different. My assignment is at this moment in time, very, very different than, um, than the honey cuts in Slovenia. They may be doing some of the same things there, but I haven't been called to leave where I live and go out into the nations, but they have. And so we all have the same call of being sent out with the gospel. And at the same time, what that looks like can be very, very different. I um, had a friend who was in the Air Force many, many years back. And uh, when he came home on leave, you know, we, you know what are you doing? How's things going? What have you been up to? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm guarding a, a missile silo, you know? And we were like, wow. And he's like, don't be impressed. Like... <laughs> He's like, I stand there with my rifle and I look and I say, yeah, the missile's there. And then uh, five minutes later, still there. He's like, that's what I do all day long. (laughs) He's like, it is so mundane and boring. Here's the thing though. Think about if my friend would have looked at the other people in the Air Force and said, well, man, there's a lot more exciting, courageous things they could, I, I could be doing, like uh, flying a fighter jet or, 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 or piloting Air, Air Force One and, and getting the president places. Like, there's so many other things I could be doing in the Air Force, but I don't know about you, I look at guarding a nuclear missile silo as probably pretty, pretty important, right? We don't want people messing with those things. And if he would have looked at someone else's assignment and left his to go do that, what would have happened at his assignment? We have the same calling, but different assignments. The common mindset that we can tend to have is that there's two kinds of Christians. Two kinds of Christians, those who go and those who don't. When we think about doing the mission of Jesus in the world, oftentimes our minds go to missionaries, people who leave their home and go to another place in the world to bring the gospel there. And yes, that is the mission of Jesus. But it's not true to say that there are those who go and those who don't. We see in scripture a different way to think. There's one kind of Christian There's one kind of Christian, and that's one who goes out with the gospel. One who's been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus and is called to go. Now, there are thousands of destinations for all of this going that Christians are supposed to do. For some of us, it's as close as our next door neighbor. And for others of us, it's as far as the other side of the world. But regardless, we all have been called to go. 
even if that's just walking next door, even if that's just walking to the bedroom next door to yours with those little kids that are in there or those big kids or those grown-up kids, they're still with you and saying, this is the gospel of Jesus. The destination may be different, but the call to go with that gospel is the same. Our calling to go is identical, but our destination is unique. Our call to go is identical. We have the same message for every person who walks this planet. And we are called to take that message to them. But the destination is unique to what God is calling you to do. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 21. After his death and resurrection, he appears to his disciples. They're in a locked room and he just appears in there somehow. Um, And he says this to them. He says, peace be with you. Listen, as the father has sent me, Jesus, even so I am sending you. As the father sent Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples in that same way, I'm sending you. This is a powerful domino effect that this sets up. You see, God is the first initiator of sending. The Father sent Jesus, and Jesus went where he was sent, and he did what he was called to do. But then Jesus sent the apostles. Jesus, having left and he went, he also called and sent his disciples And those disciples went out with the gospel and they made disciples and they sent others out who also went. And two millennia of this down to the very moment you heard the gospel of Jesus and believed, this is what's been happening. You realize that you, if you have trusted Jesus, there is an unbroken line from Jesus all the way to you of someone who has gone with the gospel and given that to you. Because who you heard it from, heard it from someone else, who heard it from someone else, all the way back to the apostles and Jesus. The reason you believe is because Jesus sent and they went and they went and they went. So the question is, am I gonna be part of that unbroken chain? Or am I gonna be the person in the Starbucks line who someone pays ahead of me and then I just say, well, thanks, and I don't pay for the person behind me and you end the whole thing. If you do that, darn you. But this is even more important. This is even more important. I wanna be part of that unbroken chain of people who are sent and who go with the gospel of Jesus. Because this, this unbroken line, now Jesus comes to us and through his word says, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you and you and you and you and you. I would point at every person in this room, but it would take a little bit too long, so I'm not going to, but he is saying, I'm sending you. So we are all sent And when our King Jesus says go, there's a natural next question. When someone says go, what's the next question? Where? Where? Well, that's different for each one of us, isn't it? Some, it's like I said before, it's as close as their next door neighbor. And and that's their mission field. Let's stop. Let's stop disconnecting Christians from those who are missionaries and those who aren't. Do you live in the world? (laughs) You should be able to answer that question. Do you live in the world? (laughs) Is the whole world God's missions field? 
then you are a missionary. You are called to bring the gospel to Jesus, of Jesus to people. Some, it's as close as their next door neighbor. Some, it's as far as the most unreached provinces of India with people that have never even heard the name of Jesus. That's their mission field. But ultimately, the destination of our sentness is in the hands of God. Now, there is a special urgency to bring the gospel to places where people are dying every day without even hearing the name of Jesus. That is an urgent situation. In the same way that if we found that there was a people group on earth who had zero food left, the world hopefully would say this is an urgent situation. We need to think about getting food to them first because there's a dire situation there. Most of us have enough food they do not. And in the same way, there's an urgency to get people sent to those places that are unreached. And at the same time, can we hold on to that truth of the urgency of getting the gospel to places where they haven't heard yet, but also there's an urgency for that person who lives next door to you or goes to the coffee shop with you or is at your work or is at your school or you name the place, but that person's eternity without Jesus is the exact same as that person who's never heard So there's an urgency to both. Can we have it in us to hold on to both and have an urgency for the unreached nations of the world, but also have an urgency for the people God has right in front of us? Can we do both? I, I think we can. Might have to watch a little less Netflix, okay? Might have to go outside my door a little bit more, but I think we can hold on to both. You know, there's a quote from this book um, some of us on staff have been reading called The Abrahamic Revolution. It's, uh, it's by a guy, a missions author named Todd Arend. And I'm ripping off a ton, I just need you to know, I'm ripping off a ton of stuff he said in his book today, so I'm totally plagiarizing. But now I'm not because I said so. Um, <clears throat> uh, he writes this in his book, The Abrahamic Revolution. He says, which is more important, the rescuer who goes down into the well to save a life or the man at the top holding the rope? The answer is obvious. Both are vital. If any one of those people doesn't do their job, someone doesn't get saved. And so we recognize the vital nature and the holy mission it is both for the Christian who stays at home to make disciples and for the one who leaves home to make disciples. Citizens of Jesus' kingdom are all assigned to both go and send. To go to those who God has assigned you to, but also to be part of the support and help of those who are sent away from where they live. We are all called to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We all go and we all send. I hope it's becoming clear as we work through the church's mission that we're not just about getting people saved, as, important, as huge as that is, it's making disciples who then make more disciples. That the people we go to and that we bring the gospel to and they respond and they inherit eternal life in Jesus, that it wouldn't stop with them, but that they would have the fire and the understanding that it's their goal and, and responsibility to take what they now know and have experienced to another so that that unbroken chain continues. We're not just about making disciples, we're about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. 
It's, it's the domino effect Jesus set up and intends to happen until he returns. That will happen until he returns. The question is, are you gonna get in on it? Am I gonna get in on it? And some of you are saying, oh yeah, I've been in on this for decades and I just say, awesome, keep going. Let's look at Romans 10 now. I love this passage. Romans 10, starting at verse eight. Paul's starting to quote Deuteronomy 30, 14, and he says, but what does it say? It says in Deuteronomy, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, King, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So Paul, in a nutshell, gives the gospel message. It is in Jesus that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we are saved. Later in verse 13, Paul summarizes salvation in this way. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on Jesus as Savior will be saved. What a gospel, what a promise. Notice he doesn't say everyone who earns their way to God, everyone who does enough good and outweighs the bad as if that were possible. He doesn't say that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus, help save me. That's who is saved. But then in verse 14, so, so, so notice about that gospel message that Paul's just covered so far. Notice who's doing all the work. Who's doing all the work? God. God is doing the saving. Jesus is doing the sacrificing. We may call on the name of the Lord Jesus, but calling isn't what saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. Calling is accepting the salvation. God is doing all the work. But then here in verse 14, Paul connects some very important dots with our involvement in God's mission of salvation. Our involvement with what he's doing in the world. And so what Paul does is he reverse engineers the process from the very last domino to fall back to the first. He, he starts with someone being saved, calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, but he says, what's the domino that fell before that and before that and before that and before that? He reverse engineers it all the way back. Read this, verse 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? So someone needs to call on Jesus and be saved. They need to hear the gospel to believe first so that they can call on Jesus. And then he backs it up even more. And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? They have to hear about Jesus to believe in Jesus. And then he backs it up even more. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And that word, keruso, it's proclaiming. Don't think of it as like what I'm doing right here is talking in front of a bunch of people. That's, that's not it is one of the ways, but it's not only that. It's this idea of taking the gospel and proclaiming it, giving it to someone else. And how are they to hear without proclaiming, preaching? And how are they to preach, proclaim, unless they are sent? Sent. So the gospel roadmap is this. Every one of us who knows Jesus has experienced this line, this unbroken chain, and it's this. The gospel roadmap is first sending. Someone is sent, proclaiming. They proclaim the gospel to people who haven't heard. That person hears, those people hear the gospel. 
Then they believe that the gospel is true. And because they believe the gospel is true, who do they call out on? Jesus. That's how every single one of us in some way, shape, or form has been saved. Every single one of us. Do you see how important this is? Friends, do you see it? If no one is sent, no one is saved. If the sent person does not go, how will the lost person believe? It's a very important question I want to ask you right now. And this is not a trick question. And here's what I want to ask you. Does God deeply care for all of the people of this world to hear the good news of his son, Jesus? Does God deeply care that all of the people in this world hear the message of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and return, that Jesus is the king and the savior of this world, and it is only by faith in him that we are saved? Does God care that the whole world hear that? At least the baby said yes. I'm gonna ask that again, and I'll just keep asking it until you answer, guys. Does God deeply care that the whole world and every person hear the gospel of Jesus? Okay. That wasn't the trick question. What I did is I tricked you to say that, and it's true. No, I'm not really tricking you, but I I do wanna step into a more challenging question now. We believe that God deeply cares for the entire world to hear the gospel of Jesus. Is God's, now this is the hard question, is God's deep care for people to hear the gospel enough reason for me to deeply care about it and obediently act? That's the hard one, isn't it? Um, And like, understandably, we don't necessarily live in a culture, and I don't know if there is a culture in the world where talking about Jesus and him being the only way to God is universally accepted. There's some people that is deeply offensive to. Um, and the way of Jesus is deeply offensive. And we have these relationships and we want them to know the Lord. But sometimes it's scary to get to that conversation because what's going to happen? But I'm left with this deep sense that the answer to that second question If the answer is yes, that it it is enough reason for me to care about the world and the people that I am around hearing the gospel, that should be good enough reason for me to do it. Do I need any better reason than the fact that this is on the heart of God? That the salvation of those I know and those I don't know, that people need to be sent to, if it's on God's heart, is that a good enough reason for it to be deeply, impactingly on my heart? Because if the answer is no, that's not good enough reason. I think that's a, just a good revelation for you to be able to say, okay, Lord, what am I missing? What part of my heart do you need to get a hold of and help me surrender even more? One of our struggles is insecurity and fear and that question of what if I don't do it right? What if I say something, do something? What if I don't know enough theology or Bible and I say something that's, you know, I, I'm sharing Christ with heresy? Um, yeah, know your Bible, study it, know the, know the gospel. Like, I can't tell you how important that is. And at the same time, I think we can insecure and fear ourselves out of ever acting. Um, what if I don't do it right? Well, what if you don't do it at all? 
And there's this quote, again, from that book, um, talking about a, a missionary named Robert Morrison. And he was sailing to China to translate the Bible for those people. And the ship's captain, uh, captain asked him sarcastically, Mr. Morrison, do you really expect to make an impression on the idolatry of the great Chinese empire? Do you really expect to make an impression? No, sir, Morrison replied. I expect God will. That's not just like a pithy Christian thing to say. That is truth. We obey, but it is God who does the work. It is God who changes the heart that needs to be changed. And I want to encourage your heart. God will not ignore your obedience. God will not ignore your surrendered heart. You offer a surrendered heart, he will supply a gospel-filled mouth. You know what Jesus told his disciples? Don't worry about what you'll say when you go before magistrates and, and governments and the people and you preach the gospel. Don't worry about what you say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words in that moment. Now, some people may think that was just for the apostles. I don't think it was. I think that's the way this works. Not to say it's unimportant to study scripture and to understand the gospel and everything in it. No, please do that. But what's worse than, than um, not saying the right thing is not saying anything at all. About the hope you have in Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, offer a surrendered heart, step out in faith, and I believe the Lord will give you the words you need to share this amazing message. Will you do it perfectly? Of course you won't. You're gonna gloriously fail sometimes. Failing with a surrendered, obedient heart. I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. Can you? <clears throat> so I wanna ask a question. Well, actually, I want to make some statements where we can go. I want to talk about where we can go. Because, you know, God says go, and we say where. Well, let's talk about the options there. And, and the answer is from your neighbor to the nations and anywhere in between. From neighbor to nations and anywhere in between. This is not about comfort on the one hand or being impressive by how courageous we are and where we go on the other. This is about obedience to where God is sending you. You. If God is sending me to Yemen and I don't go for the sake of comfort and safety, I've disobeyed, right? Right? If God is sending me to my next door neighbor, but I go to Yemen instead because it seems more important or impressive, I've also disobeyed, haven't I? There's a woman that uh, I, I met, 87 years old, who just now joined the church, became a member and owner of the church just a couple weeks ago. She's like, I love this church family. I'm here. I want to be a part. When I met with her, she lives in an assisted living home and isn't as mobile as she used to be. And uh, as we're talking about the mission of the church and, and just about us being disciple makers, she said, I just wish I could do more. Just wish I could do more. But you know what she does? <laughs> she... Uh, she, she's a piano player, and so she takes some hymn books and she goes across the, uh, the way to this memory care facility where people are living with dementia and, and all the struggles that go along with that, and she plays the old hymns for them. And her hope 
is that as she plays those hymns for those who know the Lord, you know, it's, an, it's amazing how people with dementia, you know, they, they can sometimes forget what you said to them five minutes ago, but you play a song they heard when they were 10, and they, it just, they still know it. I saw Tony Bennett one time. You guys know Tony Bennett, the old crooner? Uh, I saw him one time in the midst of dementia. Someone just started playing a song he had sung over and over and over when in his youth, and he just sang it perfectly. Couldn't remember what he had for breakfast, but could sing that song. And so this woman, 87 years old, 87 years old, goes across the way to this dementia care facility. She plays these songs so that people who know the Lord can well up with praise to him. And maybe those who don't know the Lord but remember the songs from when they were a kid, maybe the words of those songs, the gospel in them, will spark faith in Jesus. And she says, I wish I could do more. She doesn't need to do any more. She's exactly where she needs to be, doing exactly what she needs to do. She's faithfully accomplishing her assignment. Her assignment. So whatever post God is assigning to you, don't abandon it for another's post like my friend in the Air Force. Don't abandon your post to go do something that seems more exciting. Whatever the Lord is doing in you and wherever he's placing you, do it with all your heart. Don't take someone else's assignment. I wanna talk about ways we can send. So there are people, even though most of us are probably going to our mission field is gonna be right where we currently live, right? Because if we all had to leave and go somewhere else to do the mission, then we'd all be passing each other in the air, in our airplanes, going somewhere else. So there is a special call on people to be where they are, to bloom where they're planted, and to bring the gospel where they are. There is also a special call on some people that God just puts it on their heart, they can't help it. I have to go to the unreached people of the world. And God puts that burden on their heart, and it's something they want to do and they choose to do. So they need to be sent. A letter never sent itself. When someone is going to one of these places, they need a family to send them. And there's many things involved with that, but I wanna talk to you about four. The first one is prayer. The second one is financial and relational support. The third is discipleship, and the fourth is hospitality. So the ways we send, let's talk about prayer first. We have got to either regain or re-enliven, or I don't know what the word is for it, but our belief in the power of talking to God. How many times does someone say something's going on in their life and we say, oh, I'll pray for that, and we don't because we just don't think it'll do anything. When we talk to God, we are talking to the omnipotent creator of the universe who can do anything he wants to do. That is about the most powerful thing a human being can do. It's not just praying, it's praying. It is saying, God, you have all power and authority. Would you move on behalf of your mission in this world and whatever part I need to have with it, let me know and I'll obey. Prayer is powerful. Do you know how many people on the mission field that I've prayed for and I've said, we have been praying for you, they say, we feel it. 
We feel it. There are times we've wanted to give up, but we didn't because we know people are praying and God is injecting us with energy and power for the ministry we have. Prayer. Let's believe in the power of talking to God again. There was a song one of my daughters put on in the car the other day. And um, one of the lines, I can't vouch for the whole song. I don't know. I could be spouting heresy the rest of the song. I don't know. I just, one part of it, my daughters don't listen to heresy. But, but <laughs> just realize what I said there. I'm saying there was one part of this song that jumped out to me and just grabbed my attention. And it's the punchline of the chorus, and it says, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to say, well, I'll pray, but God wouldn't do it. Who am I to pray for our friends who are out in the unreached territories of the world, spreading the gospel? Who am I to say, you know, if I asked for 100 people to become Christians today, God, God wouldn't do that. Who am I to say no for God like that? No, no. Does God want people to know Jesus? Does God want people to know Jesus? Then when we ask him, why wouldn't he do it? So we pray. We pray for those who are sent. And we pray for those who are hearing the message of the gospel through them. The second way, financial and relational support. People who are sent out, like I said before, don't send to themselves. There are real physical, spiritual, and financial needs that these people who are going out into the unreached portions of our world have. And maybe the need is more urgent than an extra latte I was gonna buy myself this week. Or maybe the need is more urgent than that really expensive vacation I was gonna go on. Is God against coffee? Of course he isn't. He loves coffee. (laughs) Is God against you taking a vacation with your spouse or your family or your friends? Of course he isn't. God has given us all things to enjoy. I'm not like, I'm not judging coffee or Cancun, right? I personally don't have the right to tell you what to do with your money. That's not my sphere. I don't have the right to tell you what to do with your money, but does God? So before we substantially spend, maybe the question is, do we ask God what his assignment for that money is? I think it's very typical to assume that if the money came into my bank account, it's for me and my family. But what if God put the money in your bank account because you're a pass-through? What if he has an assignment for that money um, other than what you would want to do with it? I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm okay with that because God's stepping on my toes in this area. God loves you and he wants you to enjoy your life and he wants you to drink that coffee and he wants you to enjoy those vacations you go on. But maybe before we substantially spend we should ask God if he has another assignment for that money. Just an observation and a question. Um, and we're not only called to send people out like financially, but help sustain them while they're out there. It can be a really lonely place out there in the mission field. Maybe God is asking you to spend one hour, just one hour a month, just FaceTiming with someone who has left home and family to bring the gospel to people who don't have it. Do you know what a lifeline that is? for someone who's out there and alone to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ when they have none where they live? Do you know how powerful that is? 
how encouraging that is, how that can keep their heart going. So we support people financially and relationally. The third thing, discipleship. Those who are being sent out need to still be discipled. They're human beings. They're sinners. They still have proclivity and proneness to wander. They, they, they lose heart. They get discouraged. They have doubts. They need instruction in the scriptures. They need accountability for holiness. How important is it for those who are going out with the gospel to be living a life of holiness and biblical uh, belief? How important it is for them to be in the center of God's will. They need life wisdom that transcends the differences between cultures. They need people to help them discern the hard situations they find them in. They need encouragement. They need correction. They need all the things that we need here in the body of Christ. They still need that when they go. So put this on for size. What if you were the discipler for someone who's in Uganda? What if you you can't go there maybe, but what if you help sustain their life with Jesus by being that iron sharpening iron disciple maker in their life and they are able to do the ministry God's given them in that very difficult place because you are investing in them. You get to be part of God's worldwide mission to reach those who don't know him. I, I wanna be part of that. I hope you do. I want to be part of that. So discipleship. And the fourth thing I want to bring up, this isn't the last thing. There's many, but these are the four I want to talk about. Hospitality. Hospitality. Those who leave here need a family when they return, don't they? Don't they? And not just their own immediate blood relatives. They need a bigger family, a bigger support. Don't underestimate the power of opening your home to someone who come off. You just came off the mission field. Someone who's on furlough. Someone who's back here for the holidays. Don't underestimate the power of opening your home to them. And while you open your home to them, don't estimate the power of just listening. These wonderful people have experienced some stuff and they've seen some stuff and it's heavy. And they just need to debrief and decompress and, and know that someone else in this world knows what they're feeling and thinking and experiencing. You know you can wash their feet by just closing your mouth. Ask questions and be quiet and listen. And put your arm around them and say, I'm so proud of you. That kind of hospitality is gospel-powered hospitality. So ultimately, my friends, this is following the way of Jesus. Jesus went and he also sent. Jesus came to this world going from where he was sent to us. He obeyed that, but then he didn't stop it there. He sent others to do the same. Now, before I give you some questions to take with you into the presence of God and just talk with him about, I just wanna make some observations here and encourage your hearts. Um, I have lived my whole life at this church. 46 years I've been part of this place, this family. And what I'm saying right now is not new. This is not new. This is not something that the leadership of this, the current leadership of this church came up with and discovered, oh, we found what God wants. This has been like two millennia, the same thing, the same call. This is not some novel idea that someone just now discovered. It is the age old truth that has been the engine for the church since Jesus planted it. 
And you know what else isn't new for me in my experience here is this, that the people of this church, so many of them obeying this call year after year after year after year. And all these 46 years that I've been at this church, I can't begin to name the number or the people who I've seen say yes to Jesus to take the gospel of the kingdom both near and far and to obey with a full heart. I have seen so many of you faithfully do this day in, day out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. And so the message today is definitely instruction for us to go and to send. But at the same moment, I deeply desire for it to be an affirmation of the faithfulness of so many of you. Some of you may be hearing this message saying, I need to do more, and God is saying, that's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying, well done. Well done. Keep going. Keep your head up. Don't lose heart. And so, yeah, there's instruction today, but there's also affirmation and encouragement from the Lord that so many people in this church for decades have been answering this call faithfully. And if that's you, I want to say to you, well done. Well done. I want to leave you with two questions to consider in God's presence this week. And I really, sometimes I do feel like we, we give these challenges at the end of a sermon, like, hey, go talk to God about this. And we say, yeah, I will. And then we don't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. Um, if I could just like plead with you to actually, like to take this serious and actually do it this week, uh, you know, again, your decision, that's up to you. But just as one of your shepherds, I just, I want to shepherd your heart to have these conversations with the Lord. The first question I would just encourage you to go into the presence of God with is this, to whom am I assigned to go? To whom am I assigned to go? Who's my assignment right now? Is there a place in my neighborhood or even in the world that God wants me to be present in, physically present in, to not only be available but intentional to share the gospel of Jesus? Am I going into a place? Am I going to my neighbors? Am I going to my coffee shop, my job, my work, my family with the intention of God as you bring opportunities, I will obey and speak the gospel of Jesus and live it out as well? Asking the question, who at my work has God given me favor with and who might be open to the love of Jesus because of the love I'm showing them? Is there a segment of our community, like single moms, single dads, refugees, church, sorry, schools, yes, please reach the churches too, the elderly, business professionals, whatever it may be, is there an element of my community, a segment of my community that I am especially designed to have influence with? If you have that conversation with God and then just begin to listen, man, I think God's gonna answer that. I think he's gonna say some stuff to you because you're right in line with his heart. And, and when you pray that way, maybe have like a, a, a note on your, on your phone open up or like a pencil and a, or a pen and a piece of paper. And, and if the Lord says something to you, write it down. And then maybe with your friends who know the Lord, vet those thoughts that you have and see what they affirm in what they're seeing the Lord doing in you. So the first question, to whom, to whom am I assigned to go? Second question, who and how am I being assigned to send? Again, I think we can 
give time and effort into who we are personally investing in and hold on to that with urgently, but also realize the urgency of those who don't yet know Jesus in places that people need to be sent to go. And how do I support that sending? If my assignment is here where I live, is there a way that God is calling me to put some time, effort, or resources in to support those whose assignment is not here? who have left home and family to bring the gospel to people who don't have it? Could I make it a regular rhythm of my week to pray for Todd and Sarah in Slovenia? Would Vicki and Nelson benefit from my generosity, added generosity, as they serve in Costa Rica? Would Timothy Ith enjoy me spending a week with him in Cambodia, encouraging the church there? What does Kingsley Honeycutt need as he sets his sights on heading back out to Slovenia now that he's married? How can I invest in Allison and Dylan's discipleship as they try to discern where in the world God is sending them? What unmet needs do Brian and Jolita and Nikki have as they do the hard work of bringing the gospel to the unreached? These questions What if God answered you with an actual specific answer and you were part of their reaching the lost just by encouraging, sending, supporting, praying? You could be part of what God is doing in this world. So the assignment is pray, listen, and obey. Pray, listen, and then obey. I've been able to be part of some really cool experiences in my life. You know, some that I remember uh, are when we used to do choir tours. We'd send this youth choir out a long time. And it, yeah, I saw Will smiling about that. He was there with me. Uh, we'd do these choir tours where we'd go and we'd sing these songs of the gospel to, to people down in, in LA. One of the places we went to was in San Diego, MCRD, the Marine Corps Recruitment Depot. And, you know, I, everyone had a different job to make that work. You know, I was part of helping set up lights. Other people did the sound. Other people set up staging. Other people just, sorry, just sang and did instruments and stuff like that. Um, it, there was a whole team of people doing these things. But there was a point when we'd be singing to these Marine recruits and, um, and you just see some of them just weeping, just crying because they had been so beaten down for so many weeks on end. That's how you make a Marine. And they were just exhausted and tired and lonely. And to hear this gospel message, there's a God who loves you, never leaves you. Man, they'd just be crying. And then we'd ask them to sing the Marine Corps hymn back to us. And it was just booming the loudest thing I ever heard in my life. And I'll tell you what, at that moment, being part of that, I didn't care whether what I did to make that happen was lighting or sound or setting up the stage or sweeping a floor, I didn't care. I was just so thankful to be part of it. I was just so thankful to be there. I was just so thankful to be like, man, I'm experiencing this right now. I think everyone else felt the same way. I I just wanna take that and exponentially charge that picture and imagine us being all together in the presence of the Lord when he ends all of this and he comes and he returns and he brings heaven to earth. And we're here worshiping God face to face and we look out and see multitudes of people from every tribe, tongue, language, worshiping God. But then you look out across and there's this hill that someone's, because we all have really good vision then, I'm guessing. And you see on that hill, you see a person that you shared the gospel with and they're praising Jesus and they're here in heaven with me like I want to experience that. I want, it's God who saved them. 
but I want to have a part. I want people to be with Jesus and he used me to deliver the gospel to them. I want that. I want to be part of the people, every tribe, nation, and tongue. I want to be a part of the fact that they're there because of the faithfulness of the church. I want to be part of that. At that point in time, it won't matter if I stayed in Modesto or Turlock where I live or went to Yemen or went to, at that point in time, if I was faithful, I'm just glad I got to be part of this. I'm just glad I got to do what the Lord told me to do. So I say all that just to encourage your heart that this mission God has given us is for all of us. You don't have to travel across the world to do the mission of God, and and some of us do. But right here, right where we are, we can be part of making the mission of Jesus on this earth happen, amen? The only reason we have a mission is because Jesus died and raised from the dead and saved us from our sins. So I want you to take this bread out. I'd ask the band to come up. We're gonna worship a little bit more. Uh, let's take this bread and let's, um, let's remember that it is Jesus who does all the work. It is Jesus and his death for us in our place that saves us. When we take this bread, we are remembering that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. So would you take this bread in your hand and would you just, as you take it, say to Jesus, thank you for all you've done for me. And we also drink this cup, remembering that it was Jesus' blood on the cross that made the new covenant in his blood on our behalf. His blood spilled on the cross ratified the new covenant of the gospel where he does all the work and we trust in him and are saved. This cup reminds us that it is his blood that wrote the covenant. Let's drink this in remembrance of King Jesus till he returns. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.